So I, like many people, have most evenings free now because we don't have sports every night, we don't have dance uh, anymore, which means I've been getting stuff done that I've been putting off doing for quite some time. So one day I was power washing my house and I was moving a tall extension ladder around. Now, it's amazing to me what you lean up that thing against. I mean, it really matters. I mean, the ground and the wall, you lean that thing against, it makes a difference. I mean, that's the starting point I want to talk about today is what we lean our lives against really matters. Because what we choose to lean or lean our lives into or lean our lives on determines our ability to maintain hope. So I want to start by like learning a verse together, like a preschool style. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 33:22. We're going to come back to that. Because today I want to talk to you about one of the most difficult tensions you will manage in your life, which is how to remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world. And every one of us will wrestle with this at some level. This is a dilemma. And if you've ever had something you placed your hope in come crashing down around you, you know. Maybe it was a marriage, a career, a job, disease, wealth, health, engagement, academics, athletic. And you've ever maybe thought, why even try? What's the use? I mean, what's the point? then you know this dilemma. So a couple introductory thoughts on hope first. Hope is a person or a thing in which my expectations are centered. It's the person or thing in which you have placed your confidence as it's related to your future. So hopelessness then is that feeling that comes with knowing that the person or thing in which you placed your hope in cannot or will not come through. So from the day we're born, we sort of place our hope in something and it's usually our parents. And then at some point that hope shifts and our parents either prove unreliable or we get older or we choose to place it elsewhere, we move our ladder. It's like our ladder is leaned against a wall, but then as we get older, we move where that ladder leans against. And so we trust it to support our dreams, our security, our future. It's, it's something we really don't think about until it begins to dissipate. It's like air and it begins to evaporate and we begin to gasp like we gasp for air. And we feel hopeless or helpless and powerless. And the older we get, the more we're prone to lean our ladders against people and things that promise financial or emotional security. I mean, do you know the leading cause of suicide hinges on an overwhelming sense of hopelessness, relational or financially? And yet, throughout the pages of Scripture, we're told to put our hope in God. But the only way to maintain our hope in a broken world is to place our hope in God. And traditionally, we've been sort of hesitant to do this, especially as a nation, because we're not always convinced that our world is broken, or at least that broken. But recently, people are beginning to see it a little bit differently. In our culture, we believe that we can lead ourselves through with exercises or drugs or surgery or education to the place where we're untouchable. And up until now, it's worked pretty well. So we've sort of leaned our ladders up against that. And then we go to work and school, and we're just assuming that it's going to stay there, but that looks a little bit differently now. And they don't look like the world's broken. It just looks a little bit more broken than we thought it could. Fortunately, the Bible addresses this head on. And in many places, perhaps the clearest places in Romans chapter 8, where Paul gives us some valuable insight. It's written in Romans where the Christians are under the oppression of Emperor Nero. But instead of talking you through all the verses, I want to summarize a little bit of it and then drop into a few verses, and then you can read Romans 8 on your own later. I promise you it'll be good. 
Paul begins with like the fall of sin, like sin entered into the world. And, and, and think of sin as an isolated act because God viewed sin as like this disease that would spread and eventually spread all throughout the world and like literally kill things. I mean, have you noticed that like everything that lives eventually dies? And so Paul sets up Romans 8, and he, he wants us to know that, that as we read this, this passage and we look at this, that, that God sort of created things, but sin has come in, and sin is like this thing that spreads all throughout the world. And so he says, for creation, in verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, which means it's a frustration, and, and it's our inability to get what one wants. It's, a, it, it's just sort of this thing that keeps gnawing at us. And this sin, decay, has been allowed to run its course, and God will not stop it. And we sort of spend a lot of time, don't we, trying to stop the decay, trying to stop the ruin, trying to stop the hopelessness. So he continues. He says, in hope, the end of uh, 20, he says, in hope, 21, that the creation itself will be, which means future, in the future, will be set free from its bondage, to decay. So it's only temporary. This, this sin thing is only going to be temporary. And he says, you know, you need, you need to know that nothing is going to last forever. You need some evidence of that? Some of the pillars that were in our, our life and in our faith are now gone. I mean, take Billy Graham. Billy Graham died on February 21st in 2018, and he passed. Uh, we could take political leaders like George Bush. I mean, he passed November 30th in 2008, and he was a great leader. We can take other people that we know. Kobe, uh, you have family members. I have family members that we kind of realize the fact that nothing is going to last forever because if it lives, at some point it's going to pass. Which is probably why all of you control freaks out there are so frustrated right now because the world literally won't cooperate with you. I mean, you have things that are, are breaking. You have emotions that are breaking. You have things inside of you that seem to be breaking. You're frustrated with people who misbehave. You're, you're mad at the people that can't seem to figure out what shelter in place means and you see them running around and you just get angry about that. You get irritated because your children don't seem to respond to the way that you think they should, and you have this plan for them. I mean, let's be honest. They don't even like your plan for dinner most days. And so this frustration that we have is real. It's palpable. And this frustration kind of creates this something inside of us. And Paul said it's because of sin that this decay and this frustration begins to go. So verse 24, he hops down. He says, so I want to tell you about hope, because it's in hope that we were saved. Our hope is tied to a much bigger story, a much bigger narrative than just the way that we live. And he says, I want to lean into something else. I want, to, I want you to lean your ladder against hope. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, which is essentially, don't give up on hope. You need to continue to wait. And this work that takes place in front of us, and the next couple of verses kind of summarize it. He just kind of says we find ourselves often frustrated, and, and, and we know that God understands our heart, and God understands our prayers, and, and, and all of this is just kind of a groaning frustration and mourning and agony. And so skip down to verse 31. Apostle Paul says this. So what then are we supposed to say about these things? All of these super frustrating things. And here's our question. Is God for us? 
Does God still have the whole world in his hands? If he is, then who's against us? Like who or how? Verse 32. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? I mean, if not, he didn't even hold back his son. I mean, so why should we give up hope? Verse 38, let's jump there. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we may all experience that and we're in a place of hope and we need to understand that God is for us. And so rather than placing our ladder and putting it up in the place where it's, it's all about our security and our job and our activities, the Apostle Paul says we need to lean our ladder up against our hope in God because we have been invited to lean our ladders against God's love for us. A love that's not demonstrated by the fact that we landed a job or got the scholarship or even got a date. Or whether we married into money or we earned a position on the team or whether or not we get to end quarantine. But it's a love that's demonstrated in history. When Jesus, God's son, died for your sins and for mine, that secured your spot in God's family. And so in the meantime, you and I live out kingdom values in a world that's filled with unhappy endings, just like Jesus did, just like Paul did, just like Billy Graham did, just like my grandpa did. Because you love even though it always doesn't make a difference. You put others first even though sometimes it doesn't make a difference. You serve even though they don't care. You want to give your best even though it may not always make a difference. Do you still plan? Yes. Do you dream? Absolutely. Do you still pursue progress? Yes. Do you build? Sure. Do we put all of our hopes and our plans, dreams, and ambitions? No. We hold it all with an open hand and say, this is all temporary, but God's love is eternal. And when we're able to loosen our grips from around our plans, our treasures, ambitions, our plans, our treasures, and ambitions, they begin to open up our heart and we actually move our ladder. And we begin to discover where our hope is leaning. And either we move it and lean on God's love, or we're probably going to lose hope. So what or with whom are you hoping determines your ability to maintain hope in a broken world. And you've been invited to lean your hope against God's unending love for you. You remember our verse we started with? <laughs> May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let me say it again, and then we'll pray. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That is the process of leaning the ladder of your hopes from your ability, your skill, your ambition, your job, your finances, your health, and it begins to move that ladder and leans it up against something else, which is our hope and trust in the God that loves us. Can I pray with you this morning? Jesus, this morning, we're so humbled that you've offered us a different way because we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world where sin is rampant. We live in a world of disease. 
And when we live in that world, we're tempted to try to secure ourselves and and try to make a way for ourselves through all of the hurt and all of the pain and all the uncertainty. And we've leaned our trust and our hope on, on our skill, our ability. But you've invited us this morning to lean on to something else. And so would you help us to experience the love that you've given us through Jesus? And may you help us to lean up and put our trust on the fact that you love us and that you're for us as we navigate each and every day of our life. And for this, we'll give you thanks because it'll be a way to show you that you're our God. We're not in it for ourselves, but you're our God and you're leading and we are following you where you lead us. So it's in your name we pray. We love you. Amen.